0: Cyberspin, topics you care about by people you trust. This is Cyberspin, the podcast that helps you navigate CMMC. And now for the show.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cyberspin. We got a great episode today with an awesome guest. Let me introduce you to the team uh, and who's here today. So first of all, we got Dr. Thomas Graham with us, our lead assessor, vice president and CISO at Redspin. And our special guest is Robert Hill. Robert is a cybersecurity expert from CyTouris, one of our partners, and he is a seasoned industry analyst. And for those that did not attend the CMMC Washington technology ecosystem in Tyson's Corner last month. Robert gave a phenomenal speech about CMMC and the one little piece that everybody's kind of overlooking. We're all looking at that finish line. How do we get to the finish line? Uh, what do we got to do to get to the finish line? Robert kind of took that an opportunity to step back and say, why are we doing this? Why? So, Robert, instead of wasting time, and and everybody hears me and Thomas gab all the time, we want to turn it right over to you. Please, please tell us a little bit about yourself first, and then tell us what you told everybody at the at the conference because it was just a phenomenal presentation.
0: Rob, Tom, uh, Dr. Graham, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you again for inviting me. And and Rob, you're absolutely correct. We we talk about what is CMMC? I mean, We talk all the time about definitions, what's to be expected. We talk about timelines. We talk about when things are going to happen. We talk about the ruling and when it's going to come out and what it means to organizations and what we're going to have to do. There's all of these things we've been talking about for nearly two years, sometimes longer, but we have sometimes forgotten why we are doing this. And you know, yes, we can say to protect the defense industrial base. We can we can do these platitudes of all kinds of ethereal questions of, of why. But let's get tactical. Let's get specific. And as you know, I'm the founder and CEO of Citurus, and and we have a platform that helps organizations maintain their compliance, continuous compliance, and risk management. We have a client. They have thirty five, roughly thirty five thousand retail locations. They can change the price of chicken futures by simply releasing a new chicken sandwich. Now, what does that have to do with the defense industrial base? Well, we'll get to that. Because in order to look into the future to see what their consumption is going to be of those, say, chicken breasts for for a chicken sandwich, they use data analytics, big data analytics. They use their data warehouse and actually data lake to pull this together and make predictions into the future as to what they are going to consume. Well, let's see if you're an adversary or you're industrial espionage or you're a competitor. One of the easiest ways to cause disruption is to go into that data lake, which may or may not be secured to the point of a defense industrial base, and adjust the algorithms, adjust the data a year ago so that now the decisions it's putting out. The suggestions, the recommendations that it's saying about the consumption are based on incorrect data. And now, when that sandwich is released, we have supply chain issues. Everyone talks about supply chain issues. Well, if you dig into it, that supply chain issue was an attack a long time ago. It was where there was a definitive change made, which had results into the future. Now, Let's talk about what that has to do with the defense industrial base. When this first came out, we saw a lot of lobbyists talking about how difficult this was and how uh, expensive this was going to be. And why did these small mom and pop single manufacturing companies have to have the same level of security of a Prime, of a Raytheon,
1: of a Lockheed?
0: Why did they have to
1: have that same? We get that question a lot.
0: Rob, I hear this, and Thomas, you, Dr. Graham, you and I have talked about this at length with a couple of universities and, and why this is so important. But let's back up to, and specifically focus, uh, I don't want to talk about that they signed a contract that had the you know seventy twelve clause that they were supposed to attest to having done this. We've known about this since 2012. We can talk about all of that. But let's get more tactical. I'm going to go to a manufacturing company. In the Southwest, they have five people. This is, this is a real story. At least the organization and the rest we can call is hypothetical. So now you've got this five-person organization. They have no IT manager. They are blue-collar working on CNC machines. They've got somebody that uses AutoCAD. They get the design for a specific little gasket. They have one part. They make a gasket. They take that uh, design. They load it in the CNC machine and they cut 5,000 gaskets or whatever that number is at the contract from the prime supplier, 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 and they're way down here in the supply chain. What happens hypothetically if six months ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago, they were breached? Well, how do you say? Well, they're a five-person organization. So their ISP is a local cable company. That coaxial cable comes into their small industrial building. It plugs into the back of a cable modem. Plugged into the cable modem is that Wi-Fi adapter that came with the subscription. Now, all of a sudden, you have this situation where they don't have the protections. It's a fairly soft target. Someone goes in, goes to their AutoCAD machine, the one desktop that's on that Wi-Fi that they use, and they change 31 millimeters to 27 millimeters. You and I can't detect that. Remember the Hubble telescope? They didn't detect it, and it was in space and needed a pair of glasses. So now that thir- that 27, what had been 31, is manufactured. And that 5,000 of those gaskets go into production. They go into the supply chain. They go into retrofit every time one of those jets happens to need maintenance. So now you have this gasket for an F-35, which is the most advanced fighter aircraft in the world. A year down the road. No consequences. Except one of the jets goes down. Pilot ejects, so we lose a multi million dollar aircraft. The pilot's fine. But it craters into the ground and there's not enough evidence left for them to determine what caused that. So now you've got a choice. Does the Defense Industrial Base, does the DOD ground that fighter worldwide? So now, because of a change in the dimensions of a gasket at a supply chain, way down below the manufacturer of that jet had a breach that was, in their chain, undetectable. A simple change in the part specs on a single piece of an advanced aircraft is put into production. It's put into the retrofit parts. Now every part in the supply chain is bad. And they have to find what caused the loss of that aircraft. So now our adversaries, can take out the most advanced fighter aircraft in the world without ever firing a single
2: shot. It's kind of interesting what you're talking about, Robert, is, yes, it's a, an actual part, and yes, it has real-world consequences, but the other part is this is intellectual property. It's intellectual property of the organization. It could be an intellectual property of whoever designed right. that particular gasket. You know, the other interesting part of this is, not recently, uh, I was in Charleston, South Carolina, At the Eastern Defense Summit, and since DoD's kind of been tight-lit on where we're at with CMMC here recently, I found it actually pretty interesting that the first day, the keynote luncheon, uh, the gentleman that was on stage, he wasn't talking CMMC. You know, he wasn't talking security controls such as NIST 800-171. What he was talking about was intellectual property and the need for the department and organizations that support them to protect that intellectual property. In mm-hmm. having a better understanding of what that meant, because moving forward, it's only going to become, you know, more paramount to the protection of not. And, and we talk about fighter systems, we, we talk about gaskets, we talk about contracts. Well, outside of that, what people lose sight of is a majority of these systems, a majority of these, these networks and, and whatever we're talking about they actually affect people's lives. You know, if you were talking about with a fighter jet, if that gasket, you know, is just a little bit off, well, the pilot jet did, pilot, you know, didn't lose his life, but what if he did?
0: That's right. Or what if the jet cratered into a middle of a subdivision right here on USF? And,
2: mm-hmm. and those are the real world mm-hmm.
1: implications mm-hmm.
2: that Absolutely. folks aren't thinking about.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, we've known for a long time that threat actors get inside our networks, and they reside there for uh, an uh, unconscionable amount of time.
0: time. Absolutely.
1: Most of us are thinking, okay, they're just exfiltrating data. They're grabbing our data and sending it out. What you've kind of painted is that while that is probably happening, it's more the fact that they're manipulating data that you have because they know down the road it's going to have a longer Term effect on the disruption they're trying to do.
0: Well, Rob, d- d- the exact point that you just made, uh, everybody remember the Challenger? I mean, most mm-hmm. of us were in grade school. We watched it live, disintegrate yep. in the air. Do you remember what caused that?
1: Yeah, that was the O-rings.
0: It was mm-hmm. an O-ring, which mm-hmm. is another word for a gasket. Gasket. <laughs> so, interestingly enough, do you happen to recall how long it was until the next shuttle flight after that disaster.
1: Oh, boy. It's two about a year years, and a half.
0: Two and a half years. 32 oh, close. Close.
1: months. Close.
0: 32 that than <laughs> months. That was, you know, our space program was at a halt mm-hmm. for over two years mm-hmm. because of a gasket. Guys, this has, as you said, Rob, real world implications long term.
2: We've been talking about defense uh, industrial base. We've been talking about the defense supply chain. Mm-hmm. This is all well and good. Generally, at least over my experience, what happens is, and this is even in organizations, they don't really get it until it happens to them. You know, everybody may not be familiar with Gaskets, the the F-35s, you know, supply chain. Let me, let me give you this example. You know, this little store called Target. So a little over 10 years ago, Target had a breach. Mm-hmm. This happened. It was kind of shocking. And when I say a breach, oh, it was pretty big. It was millions and millions of people's information. We've been talking about supply chain. Well, Target, just like Department of Defense, Department of Energy, name your three-letter agency, Target has a supply chain as well. They have suppliers. They have vendors. So when these attackers went in to get the information, they didn't attack Target. No. They, they didn't go after their systems, their data lakes, their data centers. You know, if I remember correctly, I want to say they got in through HVAC you know, to kind of help illustrate your point of, okay, they make gaskets, small mom and pop shop. I, am not involved in that. I don't have to do it. But if it's something as simple as an HVAC system mm-hmm. or, you know, we've all heard the examples of the aquarium and the casino or, you know, stuff like that. It isn't the big ones. That's right. The, the, the big ones have started catching on that, you know, maybe they're starting to get a little idea but it's the smaller organizations that have overlooked a lot of this for years and years. And they're providing those easier entryways into the larger system because they already have the permissions. They already have the accounts.
0: Yeah. Look at, look in the news. This is just recent where PLCs were attacked in the water systems and it was the administrative password of one, one, one and some brilliant soul within that organization plugged the PLC into the internet. So here you have a control valve plugged in with the administrative password that was set default on a PLC, and we scratch our heads going, wonder how our water system got impacted and, and breached. That's real world. It just happened.
1: You know, it's got me laughing because I immediately think of Spaceballs where they're trying to get the, the passcode. And password one two three four five yeah you yep. know? it's right you know and we laugh about it but it's the reality right it is the reality folks don't want to set complex passwords because they can't remember them they don't want to set different passwords for different applications because they don't want to have to remember those Uh, and most of the time we can't remember those so we get locked out of the applications so it's easier just to create one password and use it across all of them well that's where you run into your issues right
0: i think rob you brought up an excellent point right there i think we need to focus in on we talk about technical controls we talk about hardening systems we talk about imp- implementing multi-factor authentication. We, we, all of these things that are IT. And then so many times our customers, because we have a platform that does the continuous compliance. And so many people are like, oh, well, does it go out and, and capture all that automatically? Does it automatically go out and look at the IT systems? Does it automatically look at the controls and tell us what controls? Guys, technical controls are this part of what you have to do. Yeah, you can automate some of that. But, what you just talked about that password having the same password across multiple systems, having the password written on a sticky note that somebody sticks to their you know keyboard, I was doing medical several years ago with an organization they had a laptop stolen in a home invasion. It was no problem. it was fine, it was great. It was encrypted. They knew within the last twenty four hours that it was encrypted. no way I could get into that. Everything was good until the business office manager said, "Yeah, um." My password was on a sticky note inside the laptop. You can't fix stupid, you know, and and there's, there's all the comedians that say that, but we have to look at things from a holistic perspective. It's not just about the IT controls. It is creating a culture of cybersecurity. And I think the why is so important for people. We're not talking IT professionals. Those guys running the CNC machines are not IT professionals. Thomas, the people that you're talking about, the HVAC, and the ones doing the background checks on them before they went into Target, aren't IT professionals. We're talking about, you know, Rob to the passwords. These are business folks that have to internalize why they're being required to do this, to understand the why, that it's not just a check the box, move on to the next thing. Okay, we got this compliance. We we worked forever to get CMMC. All right, whew, that's good for three years. Let's get back to business as normal. We have got to put that mental
2: construct
0: in the review mirror.
2: In well, today's
0: world of adversaries, we can't do that.
2: Well, it, it goes back to kind of, you know, that old adage where you're not talking necessarily about training. You're talking about education. You're right. And yeah for years and years, and even today, trying to get, you know, your board to understand, trying to get your executives to understand this is important. Yes, there's not a direct one-to-one correlation with return on invest, investment. Yes, there's not a direct one-to-one correlation between that hour you spend, you know, reviewing something about fishing to utilization for a contract. But what it's speaking to is, you know, we talk about resiliency of organizations. We talk about you know, organizations being secure, use your popular adjective. Mm -hmm. We have to get to that point of where it's an education activity. It's not a training activity. It's not a, you know, something that, oh, we've got to go do this training. It's education and education is ongoing. You can't just educate once and be done. That's right. If you do, you very quickly fall behind. And, and when we're talking about this education, Guys, sorry, I'm getting on my high horse here for a second. Yes. Everybody over the past two years, especially, I am pretty sure, is tired of looking at CBTs and you know just interacting with a computer system. Mm-hmm. There are other ways to do about to go about doing education. Start looking at it. Start looking at what means something to you to your folks. Because if you can tie it back into what they do on a day-to-day basis. They're going to remember it and they're going to remember it a lot easier and a lot quicker than simply, have, you know, listening to some slide deck or something that they have to do once per year because it's required.
0: There's something cool. else to this. You say training. Training teaches how to do something. Cool. Education changes behavior. And we have to focus, to your point, on education. Now, it takes, and you can read the studies, it's 30 to 60 days to develop a new habit. Every PhD has their own idea of how long it takes to develop a new habit. But if you say 45 days, split the difference. If you're training new habits for that resiliency, for that sustainability, for that education of a culture of cybersecurity, it's not a one and done. It's not a CBT. It's not a once a year training on how to do something. It is an education in a development of new mental processes and ways of thinking of those resources. We're not talking about IT staff. We're talking about the business side and the business users, not just the executives, not just the board, but this flows down to the entire organization enterprise-wide to that culture of cybersecurity. And it is an, as you said, an education, not just training.
1: Yeah, you know, we were at uh, uh, recently conducting one of the joint assessments and I was doing the walkthrough. Um, and when I stopped to get my visitor's badge, I was just having a conversation with the young lady as she was signing me in, checking my IDs and all these things. And we were talking about the impact of a lot of the threat actors and what they're doing lately and she made the comment that she is just an administrator here at this company. I don't really play a role in this, but we appreciate you coming out here to make sure we're we're straight, you know, and good to go. And I said, "Listen, you're the first line of defense. If you're right. not you're checking my ID, You could be giving a visitor's pass to anybody that's going to come in here and social engineer their way all across your fabrication floors here. What you're bringing and and kind of highlighting is that this is not an IT problem. This is an everyone's problem, which if you go to most companies, you always hear the adage of safety first, right? And everybody always needs to be safety, especially in manufacturing floors and and these production facilities. But if you remember safety first and security always, you're now going to change that environment to where it becomes yes. second nature to them.
0: I love that. Safety first, security always. Mm-hmm. You know, And that is so amazing. And, and I do the same thing when I'm on site with clients. And that first line of defense is that first person that greets that guest, mm-hmm. sizes them up, mm-hmm. profiles them. Why are they here? Who are they visiting? Were they invited? It was this expected. Those are simple things that you, you know, that those, in your case, the receptionist doesn't think through. And then I love, I've got one of those little devices that can clone an RFID card. And I love saying, oh, let me see what type of RFID you have. And I put it right against it and I clone it. And then when she goes to open the door to let you in, you say, oh, no, I got it. And you hit it. So how did you do that? Because you just failed. You gave me your ID card for three seconds and I cloned it. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> These are the types of things that that is an educational
1: experience. Right. Uh, which, which also brings into other tests that NIST 800-171 does not require organizations to do. But, you know, NIST 800-171, we've said for years, is a baseline. These right. are the minimum security things Minimums. you need to be doing.
0: Compliance for years has been this, okay, it's coming, they're coming in big project, everybody get ready. Here comes the auditors. And you've got these several weeks of getting ready. You've got this steep climb. You get over it. You're doing it. We passed. Okay, we're there. Everybody take a breath and we go back down. And now until next year, here they come again. It's this roller coaster that we have created ourselves. But now with CMMC and others, you have to maintain that level verifiably, for 36 months with an audit can happen at any point. Mm-hmm. And so there's not this expectation of this roller coaster. It is, okay, you've achieved. Now stay there and maintain for 36 months mm-hmm. because this is a one and done. It's not a one-time event. It is a lifestyle change. Those yep. that have gone through weight loss understand it's not just about losing the weight. It's about maintaining that, changing habits, changing dietary habits, changing the timings, All of the things are also relatable to this. How do you make new habits? How do you change so that that culture of cybersecurity becomes ingrained in the workforce?
1: Yep. So I I think the uh, question we should pose and kind of leave for the audience today is you're doing everything technically. You're buying all the right pieces. You're buying the MFA solutions. You're buying the proper firewalls. You're buying all these technical pieces to help secure your network. You're putting some great policies and procedures together that are helping all of your folks keep that network secure if they read them. And then the other piece that is kind of being neglected is the regular user. Yeah, we do cybersecurity training. But what kind of cybersecurity training are you doing for those users? I mean, that's one of the questions that we ask. Do you understand the risks associated with your business? And is that risk portrayed to your users? And are they being trained on how to identify that risk? Right? Yes. If, if you're doing all of that, you'll stay on that platform that we're talking about. Right? But you can put all these pieces into place. You can draft all these policies to where they look like gold. But if your folks are not doing it continuously, yep. you still got a major gap in your, in your compliance. Yep. Right?
0: Absolutely. And we're seeing that where it's just another checkbox versus internalizing that and mm-hmm. in making those fundamental changes in the workforce.
1: So listen, we're getting close to the end of this recording here. And um, I really want to pause and, and give you, Robert, some time to talk about the Cytourist tool.
0: Absolutely, Robert. I appreciate the opportunity. You know, when we looked at the ecosystem, the Cytourist tool predates the CMMC. We, we do compliance globally for a lot of organizations. But the CMMC ecosystem was a little different. You have so those organizations seeking certification. They need to do a self-assessment. They need to be able to put in get their SPUR score, understand where they're at, put that data in. So we have a self-assessment module that allows an AI to guide them through that, gives them who you have to interview, what the expectations are. So they can put that data in and then start adding evidence to those. But in the rest of the world, if they do that in an Excel spreadsheet, now they're going to zip that up and they're going to send it to an RPO. Well, now they've lost control of that information twice. Mm-hmm. They've put it into a, an external tool or into an external uh, platform or an external set of documents. And then they provided it to an, R, an RPO to help them. Now that RPO works with them for months, getting them ready. And then they package all of that up and they give it to C3PAO mm-hmm. to do that re- that review as yourselves. So we looked at this and thought, wait a minute, the process of protecting your data you have violated three times by providing that to three different external agencies to get the certification saying you're protecting your data. And that just didn't make sense. So we went to the Cyber AB and you're right. We are the designated platform for by the Cyber AB for the ecosystem. We were vetted by the DOD. We were vetted by the, the board. And the reason is, is we can put that in as a self-guided assessment. Then the RPO can log in to the membership portal, the CyberAB membership portal. They can do an affiliation. It's a bi-directional affiliation. The OSC has to agree and the RPO has to. Then they assign an RP or an RPA. Those professionals that are designed to help, they're trained to help that OSC through that process. The next time they log in to the membership portal, they hit launch the CRT it launches our application and it adds that OSC to their dropdown with the entitlements that they have been provided. So it's in the same system. It's not going to an external platform. And then Redspin, if I may say you're a client of ours also, so you can come into that platform and do a validated met, validated, not met, see the full history, see all of the evidence and the OSC has not lost or lost control of that information, the SSPs, the poems, all the work you have visibility into that entire life cycle, and being that it's iterative, now you've got the ability to capture for thirty six months. so at any point they want to come in and say, Show me where you are today. it's real time. Yeah. Click a button, here it is here's where we've fallen off here's what we've done here's the risk reduction. here is the we talked about ROI. All of this functionality is built into a single platform to support the entire ecosystem and it's multi-tenant. So now a Prime can go down their supply chain and see as deep in those parent, child, 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 child to that five-man operation that is wondering why they have to do that. And now their scoring and their details can be viewed and you can look down that supply chain and see where that weakness is in that supply chain.
1: Great point. And I mean, the, the whole conversation has really been about onus on taking responsibility for the different pieces that you're responsible for inside securing the network, securing the business, et cetera, et cetera. And we're honing in on this individual. And what I liked what you said about your tool is that you know once we go in and assign a task, I assign Mm -hmm. it to an individual. Now that individual owns that task. And that individual may not be IT. It may be Lauren from marketing. All of these folks now realize they are part of the bigger puzzle. And that also starts that transition of the mindset and the culture within the organization.
0: It's actionable to them. Mm -hmm. They have a part to play. They have personal responsibility in seeing the success of their organization get that and maintain that compliance over time.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Well, Robert, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing that story with us. It is relative. It is something I hope that resonates with our listeners. We thank all of our listeners for for being dedicated and mostly putting up with Thomas and I through throughout this past year with all the craziness that we do, but we, we are going to continue into next year and it's only going to get stronger. Uh, if you interested, please reach out to Robert Hill at CyTourist. I believe it's CyTourist.com. You can go out and get all that information. I believe there's also some uh, information out on the Cyber AB page for you. Um, Mm -hmm. So definitely for all the RPOs, but also for organizations, because this tool will do nothing but assist you in your, in your preparations. With that, we're spinning out of here.
0: Thanks everybody. Bye-bye.